Good morning, church. My name is um, Daniel, and all my friends call me Stallion, and it is uh, a privilege to be sharing God's word with you guys this morning. I work with our student ministry. Um, especially glad to see you guys here in the front. Um, man, we're excited about this morning. Um, that was uh, Will and Katie, um, daughter and son-in-law of Janice and Jim Albergati, um, and they are, they are incredible. We've had an opportunity, uh, as they've been in the States right now, to talk with them, meet with them. Uh, they came and shared one of our staff meetings, and we had to hear a little bit about their story. And uh, I actually had the privilege, I bumped into them one day as I was going to lunch, and I got to sit down with them and, and hear a little more. And so I would encourage you guys, while they are in the United States, if you have the opportunity to talk to them, if you see them somewhere, if you uh, see them in the halls here, if you uh, schedule an appointment, whatever you have to do, get to know them and, and talk to them, because what they're doing really is remarkable. And we're going to hear a little bit, uh, even as we look at our scripture today, um, of just how all this plays into to what we're talking about. Uh, if you're joining with us today um, and are not sure, we've been in this series called Level Up, and hopefully this has been uh, an enjoyable series for you guys. I think it's been one of the, the fun ones for me because we've worked through this comparison of saying that our, our life, uh, in, in this case, is similar to a video game. And I gotta be honest with you guys, I like video games. And I understand that there's kind of this stereotype that someone who, who plays video games, especially as an adult, there's just some negative connotations with that. I understand that. We kind of have this idea that it's like, well, you do nothing but sit in your mom's basement and play video games all the time, and you're lazy and don't like the outdoors. I, I hear all of that, and I'm here to tell you that that's not true of every gamer. It's just not. And, you know, for instance, I, I like the outdoors. I like being outside. Uh, I, I get tired after playing video games for, for too long. I think it's like, it's, it's just kind of like, all right, it's, this is, it was fun for like an hour. It's boring now. Uh, I don't live in my mom's basement. My mom doesn't have a basement. Um, and I actually moved out of my parents' house when I was 18 and haven't lived with them since. And so it's, it's, it, the, the stereotypes are not true, okay? Now, I will say this. When I was younger, I did enjoy playing video games a whole lot. Uh, but we had this rule in my house that you could only play video games for an hour a day. And I will tell you, when I was younger, that felt like the worst rule ever. I hated it. And my brothers and I, we would always try to find ways to, to stay a little bit longer. Man, if we just get, if we stay quiet, they won't come ask us how long we've been playing. If we don't fight, like we knew all the tricks, what to do. When my dad was out of town, when my dad was out of the country, that was always the best. You know, he would fly to America to visit for something, and we'd be at home playing video games, and, and we could play as long as we wanted. I remember people ask me oftentimes, what is one of the, your best Christmas memory? And I oftentimes say this, it's going to sound horrible, and I already know this, you're already going to judge me some more, besides the fact that I like video games. But one of my best Christmas memories was the Christmas that my parents, I hate saying this, I feel so horrible, it was the Christmas my parents got sick, okay? Now, I, I, I'll explain, they, it was Christmas Day, and we had gotten a new video game uh, for the day, for, for, as a gift, uh, myself and my siblings, and later on in Christmas Day, my parents actually weren't feeling well, and so they went to bed early, so we stayed up pretty late playing video games. And the next day on the 26th, they woke up and still weren't well. They talked to the doctor, found out they had bronchitis, which I don't even know if that's like really bad or not. But they ended up staying in bed for basically three days. And that was the best three days of my life. We had gotten this new video game called Zelda Ocarina of Time for the Nintendo 64. Is there anyone else out there that can identify it, okay? There's a couple of brave people in the crowd. You see, video games are incredible. Up until this point, before the Nintendo 64 came out, all video games maybe uh, had like a, a, um, an upward or downward motion or a left to right type of motion. But when the Nintendo 64 came out, oh, it was a whole new world. It was life in 3D, baby. 
Okay, you can navigate the world. You could go all over the place. There was actually, this game specifically had a map to where you had to like find out in the world that you were playing where to go and what to do and what to accomplish. It even progressed in time. You actually started out as like this kid exploring the village and exploring things and then it fast forward to when he was a teenager and you had to collect weapons and items and man, it was amazing. But one of the most fun things about playing video games is this concept, is this idea of leveling up, of going to the next level, of progressing in the journey. And what we're talking about today in, in, this, in this series is how can we as believers, as followers of Christ, not stay in one spot, not just be stuck where we are, but progress in our walk in relationship with God. And so we've been looking at this list of qualities, and if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Peter. We're going to read this together in a second, but we've been talking about this list and these qualities of things that we can do in our own lives, of things that we can see and experience, tangible things that we can do in order to progress and grow in our walk and relationship with God. And I feel like this is, should be encouraging to us because always, what we're always looking for is, man, how do, I, how do I get better? How do I grow? How do I develop? How do I level up? And so often when we talk about spiritual things, it's so kind of like maybe not very tangible. It feels a little bit vague sometimes. And yet here we find a list of qualities of, of, of things that hopefully we have and hopefully we are doing and, and pursuing in order to grow in our walk and relationship with Christ. And so in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, it says this. His divine power has granted to all of us, uh, sorry, to us all, things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement to your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." Now, it says it right here in, in verse 8, if these qualities are increasing, it will keep you from being ineffective, which means if they're not growing, then you are becoming ineffective. And so each week we've progressed and we've looked at these and we've studied these and we've analyzed them. And last week, Trevor did an incredible job when he talked to us about self-control. One of our students who had read ahead in the text said, let me guess, this week you're talking about steadfastness. They read ahead in the text. And I said, yes, that's true. But steadfastness is one of those words that sounds kind of weird, and so in different translations, if you look it up, it actually, probably the best way that we can define it and understand it is by using the word perseverance. Have you ever heard that word before? Perseverance. Now, perseverance is interesting because depending on what you've experienced, depending on what your life is like, depending on, on, on what you're, you have seen, you may think of something different when you hear the word perseverance. For some of you guys, maybe you think of a diet, a difficult diet. You know, Trevor talked about self-control. You can make the right decision once, but perseverance is continuing with that right decision. Maybe you decided to do like a juice cleanse or something. Maybe you wanted to try something extreme, Whole30, I don't know. Did you persevere? Maybe you think about like a, a physical activity, something like a marathon. I could never do that. I knew this guy, he was a youth pastor, and when I was uh, studying in Bible college, he turned 26, and on his 26th birthday, he got up and got ready for a run and decided he wanted to see if he could run 26 miles, just like without having any training prior to that. 
And he said he started going, and I'll never forget this. He said the first 10 miles were okay. He said the rest was downhill. Not literally downhill, but it was horrible. It was rough. He said he got to the point where there was like the last two miles. He actually was, was so low on energy and so low on what he needed. He said he stopped at a store. He didn't have a wallet or anything on him. He basically just stopped at a store and begged them to give him a Snickers bar. He said, I promise you I will come back and pay it. And this guy's like sweaty and like out of breath, like he can't breathe. He's like, I just need something. I need some energy. And he persevered. Now, that was me. I probably would have walked two miles, gotten a Snicker bar, and called an Uber to get home or something. But he persevered. He pushed through. And it's important. And, and, and the definition of perseverance is actually this. It's persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Persistence in doing something despite difficulty. I want you to think about that because that's what we're going to be talking about. Doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Now, we have some successful people in the room this morning, some graduates. Now, we have some who have graduated high school. We have some who have graduated college. Uh, we, even have someone, we even have someone this morning, I'm not going to tell you who because they probably wouldn't want to be singled out, who just received their PhD. And they're in this room today. I'm talking about smart people. And interestingly, the journey, the road to get there, the delay in achieving success is why sometimes we have college students who take five years, six years, or more. I mean, it, they're still achieving success. They're persevering. You can still look at the positive in that. But the truth is this. Perseverance is doing something, achieving something, reaching something, despite difficulty. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. The difficulty that we find in life, the difficult scenarios that come in our lives, the difficult things, that, that, that the crossroads, the trials, everything that will come to pass, that will come through in our lives. You see, I started to think to myself, what makes a video game fun? Like, like what is it about a game that, that draws someone to play? Like, what, what about it is fun? And I know some parents in the back are like, nothing. That's why we don't like it. But the truth is, video games can be fun. They're fun for our students. They're fun for, for adults, too, okay? But, but what makes it fun? And I think if you scour the internet, there's so many different opinions and thoughts and all these different things. I've kind of landed on three things this morning, and the first one is the story. The story of a video game. Every video game has to have a premise. And so whether it's uh, two decently successful plumbers who decide to go save a princess in multiple castles... Or, or whether it's um, uh, nowadays with sports games, do we have any 2K fans, where you can become the manager of an NBA basketball team, and take your team to success and buy and trade and sell players. Whatever it is, there has to be some type of story, just like a movie or a TV show, a premise, something that hooks you, something that gets you interested. The other aspect of a good video game that makes it fun is kind of the, the graphics, the art style. You know, when I started growing up, video games were, were like I said, in 2D. And they started to get a little bit better, and a little bit better, and a little bit better. And then developers would put more time and more stuff into it. I remember when we first started playing some of the racing games, and they were starting to look so realistic. But not just that, but also the style. What does it look like? What is the, the look of it? You know, one of the most popular games right now, parents, do you know what that is? Oh, I know the, the front row knows. Parents, do you know what one of the most popular video games out there right now is? Fortnite. And, and parents ask me all the time, what's with Fortnite? Why does everyone love it? What, what's, what is it? And I think one of the reasons why it's a fun game is because of the way it's drawn, because of the artistic style, the graphics. It's just a fun-looking game. It looks like a cartoon. 
The, the, the characters have all these different outfits they wear. They dance. They, it's colorful. It's like green and blue, and it's just, it's happy. And so a good video game has a story, has an art style, but also has an accurate difficulty level. You see, if you play a video game and it's so easy that you can win in two minutes, then you're not going to come back. You're not going to play again. But at the same token, if a video game is so hard and so difficult that you're not going to win, you're not going to progress, you're not going to level up, then you're not going to want to play. I remember when the Wii first came out. And everyone got all excited with the Wii. You can hold the, the nunchuck and do the stuff and pretend like you're bowling, throwing frisbee, all the different sports. Well, they tried to incorporate other games into that. And I remember one time playing this game, and as I was playing this game, the character was, was a wolf, and, and, and he had to get out of this place where he was trapped. And I remember sitting there for like 15 or 20 minutes trying to figure out what to do, what buttons do I press, how do I, I free this person, this, this wolf character from this, this cage that he was in. It was like this little cage, and there was a box, and I couldn't figure it out. And I literally tried for like 15 or maybe 20 minutes. And finally, I stood up, and, and not in rage, not in anger, but I just I walked to the TV to turn it off. I just took the controllers and threw them on the couch. Well, that movement of throwing it on the couch activated the motion sensor, and the wolf that was inside of this cage just started shaking everywhere, and the cage broke, and he was free. I said, man, how am I supposed to figure that out? Well, I turned the TV off and never went back to the game. It was too difficult. It was too complex. And so it's important that we understand there is a complexity, there is a difficulty level. And when we talk about life, when we talk about what we're facing in our lives, we're also talking about the, the difficulties, the struggles, the trials that we're going to be facing. And so if we want to understand perseverance, if we want to add perseverance to our life, if we want to grow in this list of spiritual categories where we can grow and find strength in it and develop as mature believers, one of them is perseverance then we have to understand difficulties, and we have to understand trials. And so with your Bibles, I'd love for us to turn a couple pages before to the book of James. Whenever you hear of trials, whenever you hear of perseverance, James is kind of the, the passage of choice that comes to mind. And as I've spent time studying this, I'm just encouraged by not just the, the book of James and these verses, but by what this means for us and how we can apply this to our lives. And so this morning, we're going to be camping out here. So if you have it, your Bible, whether it's on your phone or in your physical Bible, go ahead and turn there to James chapter 1, because this is where we're going to camp out and unpack some of these verses and understand what God is saying to us through this passage. So James chapter 1. Starting in verse 2, going to verse 4, it simply says this. It says, count it all joy, my brothers. Pause. This is writing to believers back then. This is also to women, okay? It's not just the brothers. It's everyone. It's the church. It says, count it all joy, my brethren, or church, or, or, or friends, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, or as we've said today, perseverance, Verse 4, and let the steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, these are three simple verses, but they're so packed with information. And the first part that we see, it says, count it all joy, my, my brethren, my, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. When you meet trials, when you encounter roadblocks, when you see difficulties, we say this oftentimes, it's not if you find a trial, it's when you meet a trial. And I remember for me, 
I didn't encounter a real trial till after college. That means high school students, maybe you do, maybe you don't understand what that's like. But adults in the room, can we agree, can we have an amen and say that we will or our students will meet trials at some point? It happens. It's part of life. It's inevitable. You're gonna meet trials. You're gonna be faced with difficult times. There are gonna be roadblocks. There are gonna be things that come in between your, 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 your success. They're gonna come in between your walk with Christ. They're gonna come in between relationships. There will be difficult times. And it's not if, it's a matter of when. And we have to understand that. We have to expect that. Because if we get that, then we can better prepare for it. If we go out of our house and never bring an umbrella, never expecting it to rain, then someday it will rain and we will get wet. But if we can understand that, if we can prepare for it, if we can say, hey, when it rains, I'm going to be ready, we'll throw a little car umbrella in the car. And that day that we get caught in the rain, we have something to keep us dry. We've got to understand that trials, difficulties, difficult times Adversity, roadblocks, whatever you want to call it, will be present in this life. You will experience them. It will happen. It's not if, it's a matter of when. The other part that we see here is, is counter all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. This is probably the harder part. The truth is that not only do trials come, but they're in all different shapes and sizes. Trials come in so many different ways. Trials come and affect all different people in all different ways. Trials, roadblocks, setbacks, difficulties will come and affect you differently than they may affect me, differently than they may affect somebody else. But you can be sure that we will all experience them. And when I think of a church like Mount Horeb, with the sheer size and amount of people that attend here, or I think of a town like Lexington, which just statistically speaking, we see so many different things. We see so many different types of trials and setbacks. We see people affected by a real and true sickness. We see people who go through death. We have funerals here all the time. People who pass away, who go to be with the Lord, sometimes very tragically. Tragic deaths that affect our community seem to be more and more normal. We talk about people who struggle with marriages or relationships where they have a difficult time relating to one another. We've talked so much about people struggling with drug abuse, with addictions. The truth is that trials are here. Trials are in our town. Trials are in our church. And constantly we see this stuff going on. We see people in difficult places. We see these roadblocks. We see these setbacks. We see these things. And I want to pause here for a second because I think we struggle to understand why so often you know, we think to ourselves, man, in, in, in this nice little world where, where I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, why do these things happen? You know, we, we have these plaques in our halls or in our kitchens with verses like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to, to, not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future and to prosper you. But we, we never put a plaque on this that says, count a joy when you face trials of various kinds. That'd be kind of weird to put up in the kitchen, but, but, but it's in scripture as well. The truth is, we, we, we experience these things. These things will come. We think sometimes, I don't understand. Well, why, why is this happening? Well, why is this going on? And, and, and scripture is explaining this to us as we look at it. 
Because so James says, when you meet these trials, they're going to be of various kind. And then it says this, you need to know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then, this is the beautiful part, verse 4, let the perseverance have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, the reason these things happen is so that, that, that it puts us through some test. It puts us through the understanding. It trains us. It, it forces us to think about these things. And it starts to develop the perseverance muscle inside of our bodies. All of us can make the right decision one time, but can we continue in it? Can we persevere in it? Can we push through the difficulty that is all around us? You see, we need to start to understand and learn that ups and downs are a part of our faith. We're not going to have a, a, a perfect Christian walk for the rest of our lives. There's going to be difficult times. It's part of life. And I think most of us think to ourselves, well, well but if I love Jesus, if I trust Jesus, then, then why do these things happen? Listen, I experienced some of this. In 2016, I was diagnosed with cancer, and people came up to me and said, I don't understand. Why did you get sick? You're a pastor. You work with the teens. You, you love Jesus. It's like, yes, I do. But it's a part of life. And you see, God doesn't produce these difficult things inside of us, but he allows these difficult moments and, and our response to those in perseverance, in staying faithful to him, to have its full effect, to make us perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. God uses the hard moments, the setbacks, the difficulties of our lives to grow in us. He's not the one that come and cause, comes and causes all of those things, but he allows them to not be wasted. He allows them to be put to good work. He allows for them in our lives to produce some incredible and amazing things. You see, we have this idea, this misconception that with Jesus, well, we're never gonna suffer. With Jesus, nothing bad's ever gonna happen. And unfortunately, I'm here to remind us that, that scripture simply doesn't say that. In fact, when Jesus comes and speaks to the disciples and in the New Testament and he's preaching and proclaiming, he actually says, he says, I need you to count the cost. If you're gonna follow me, if you're gonna be a disciple of mine, you need to think about this. You need to process this for a second because it's not going to always be easy. In fact, it's gonna be difficult at times. I want you to make sure before you sign up for this that you process what this is looking like. I want you to think before you join the church, before you say membership vows, before we respond to students, that there's a commitment that we're making here. It's not just a, yes, love Jesus, let's go, what's next? Where are we going to lunch? It's just this relationship that has to keep going, that we have to look at this list and think to ourselves, man, am I adding to my faith? Am I supplementing to my faith? Am I living in these areas? Am I growing? Am I leveling up? Or am I just saying, Jesus, I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. Or are we allowing his life to breathe inside of us and change us and affect the way we do life. And it's so interesting, we're, we're studying all this out of Second Peter, and, and, and Peter actually writes, the, the book of First Peter says so much about this, but as he's writing to the believers, he actually is, is saying to them, he goes, I, I want you to understand this, he actually assumes that they already know this, that first of all, it is very difficult to follow Christ. He wants them to know, before I even speak and proclaim and preach to you, before I even write this letter, I want you to know, and he assumes that they already know, that following Jesus is difficult. But at the same time, following Jesus is totally worth it. Because the setbacks, the trials, the difficulties, the chances that we have to, to take a shortcut, to skirt around what God is asking of us, in all of those moments, if we persevere 
if we continue, if we move forward in his word, if we stay true to him, if we trust in him, God uses those moments as hard as they are, as difficult as they are, as painful as they are, he uses them to produce something incredible inside of our lives. He uses them to grow us in our faith, to take us to the next level. And I imagine in a room this size, there is pain, there is hurt, there are difficulties. Now, not everything is simple. Maybe it's with your work and a business you're trying to run, or maybe it's a relationship at work or at home or with friends or at school that just isn't going right. Maybe it's a personal conflict where you're struggling within your own mind and your own thoughts. Whatever it is, it's not easy. It's not gonna go away the snap of a fingers, but God does says that by pushing through, by remaining steadfast, that will start to have its full effect, and you will become perfect. You'll become complete. It would become lacking in nothing. The truth is, Jesus desires to do something so incredible through anything that we face. Now we've been talking about this kind of, uh, this idea of uh, a lot of times these trials are something external that happens to us, a difficulty that comes, uh, a tragedy that happens in our lives. But, but it's not just that. It's also simple decisions that we make, choices that we make. You see, we have the opportunity we, because God loved us, because his, of his love for us, he gives us the ability to choose to decide between right or wrong, between good and bad. And so many times, we're the ones who hijack ourselves. We make wrong decisions. We follow down paths and stuff that we shouldn't do. And yet, when we do that, even in those mistakes, even in those difficult times, Jesus still says, I will use this, I will redeem this in your life for good if you'll stay committed to me, if you'll persevere if you will remain in my word and my scripture, if you will trust that I can bring something good through all of this. This isn't something that you learn overnight. This isn't something that you wake up one day and you're there. It's something that takes time. It's something that, that, that takes experience. It's something that takes coming out on the other side okay a couple times to be able to sit back and trust Say, all right, God, I believe in your word. I believe in what you're saying, and I desire to remain faithful. I desire to remain steadfast. As we journey in our walk and our relationship with God, there's gonna be setbacks, there's gonna be trials, there's gonna be difficult moments. Some of them that happen to us through external circumstances, some of them that we kind of bring on ourselves, or some of them that, that we don't help the situation, or we end up and find ourselves but in each one of these things, if we stay persistent, if we persist through something despite its difficulty, if we're willing to delay in achieving success, understanding that the journey is, is, is a part of life, that we're not gonna get there in one day, we're not gonna be perfected overnight, it's going to take time. If we can lean into that, then we start to see victory and success through our trials. We start to grow from them, we start to move from them, we start to develop out of those. And so my question for us this morning is what do we do when we face trials? What do we do when we face trials and difficult times and setbacks and roadblocks? What do we do? How do we successfully persist? You say, now this is great information, but how do I actually apply this? How do I actually take this? How do I put it in action? How do I move it into my life? When this passes in James, we see three things. And the first one, we, we, we skipped over it intentionally so we can come back to this. It says to count it 
as joy. To count it as joy. If you want to level up, if you want to grow in your walk with God, then when you see a difficulty, when you see a trial, when you see a setback, then you need to learn to count it as joy. That sounds crazy. I understand. This is not my words. It's in the text. But when we see a difficult moment, when we see a time that we don't know what to do, when we see something hard coming our way, if we can pause for a second and learn to count it as joy, not because we're crazy, not because we're, we're gluttons for punishment, not because we like pain, but because we understand that if we can persevere through this, if we can remain faithful to what God is asking us through this difficult time, if we can resist and see it to the other side of this trial, that God will start to produce in us all the things that we need so that we're not lacking in anything, so that we are relying on him. When we see the struggle, when we see the setback, when we see the difficulty approaching, if we can learn to say, man, I, this is gonna stink, I'm not excited about this, but I understand that it's gonna happen and God's gonna use it for something that will produce greatness inside of me. In that moment, we can start to develop joy. You see, we always say joy is different from happiness. You can be joyful and not happy. You can look at a difficult situation and say, I'm not excited about this, I'm not happy for this. But there's joy in my heart because I understand that God's gonna bring me into the other side and he's gonna produce something great inside of my life through this difficult moment. We consider it joy. The second thing that James teaches us is that we have to remain steadfast. Here it says in verse four, let steadfastness or let perseverance have its full effect. The same thing, this doesn't happen overnight. When a trial comes, you don't say, all right, God, here's the trial. Let me get ready for it. In Jesus' name, amen, poof, I'm done. By its very definition, to persevere in something means to continue through the difficulty to continue through the season of life that is hard, to continue through the, the, the time that we wish we could avoid and, and put way behind us. It doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take time. You're gonna have to push through. You're gonna have to move forward, sometimes patiently, sometimes with difficulty, sometimes not wanting to. But in order for it to have its full effect, you have to push through. So you gotta consider it joy, knowing that the outcome is gonna be better than the process. You have to remain steadfast, understanding that it's going to take time for it to have its full effect. And finally, you have to remember that God is with you. You have to remember that God is by your side. That's the greatest truth of them all. And, and scripture says that Jesus died on the cross, that he experienced all that, that, that he needed to empathize with us. He understands what we're going through. He understands what we're feeling. He understands our emotions. He understands all of these things. And he is by our side helping us through. He is by our side guiding us. He is by our side directing our paths and our steps. He is with us. I told you guys, for me, it wasn't until after college that I experienced for the first time in my life a real trial. And, and I didn't know what to do, and it wasn't that big of a thing in the grand scheme of, of things, of, of lists of trials that could happen, but it was a big deal for me. So I reached out to a pastor, a friend of mine. I sent him an email. I said, man, I'm going through some stuff. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. What do I do? How can you encourage me? 
And I felt kind of dumb sending this to him. This guy had been through the ringer. His wife had this sickness where they weren't even sure what it was, and they were trying to figure it out, and she had these ups and downs health-wise, and his mom had passed away about a year and a half before the time that I emailed him. And I'm thinking, oh, this is so dumb. I'm writing to this guy with this like, small little problem that I have, and he's been through all kinds of crazy stuff. And I'll never forget what he said. He wrote back to me, and first he just validated. He said, whatever you're going through, whatever your trial is, whatever that roadblock is for you, it, it doesn't matter. If it's a big deal for you, then it's a big deal, period. It doesn't have to be big in comparison to someone else's. It doesn't have to be on a scale of, of pain and trial or, or whatever. He said, if it's a big deal to you, then, then it's a big deal. And he started to share with me that through the difficulties of his life, he was older than me, he said, through the hard times that I've experienced, through the difficulty of my life, because I have found that in the moments in which I am most needy of God, in the moments when I most need to rely on him through, through hardship, through trial, through pain, through suffering, he said, in those times, because that's when I found God to be closest to me. He says, as I've experienced that stuff, I felt a different type of presence with God, a different type of connection with my Savior. And he said, he said call me crazy. He goes, I, I, I hate, he's like, I feel weird saying this. He goes, but there are some times in my life where I almost look forward to the difficulty. I almost look forward to the trial. I almost look forward to the hardship because I know in that moment, I know in that season, my walk with God is gonna be so sweet and God's gonna take me through it, bring me to the other side, and accomplish something great inside of my life. That's having joy in the face of trials. That's why some people can, can stand and say, I don't know what God has for me in the future, but whatever it is, we're excited. That's why someone can say, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to go back to the country. I don't know what's gonna happen in this relationship. I don't know how this thing is gonna be fixed. I don't know how, if, this, if this sickness is gonna be healed, but whatever the outcome, I'm excited because God is by my side. So whatever you're facing, whatever the trial is for you now, in the present, maybe in the future, when the trials to come of various kinds, my prayer for you is that you would be reminded of these words and be able to say in face of trial, in face of difficulty and of struggle, in these hard moments, I sit with a joyful heart knowing that God is gonna do something incredible. In the face of these things, I understand that it's going to take time for it to have its full effect. But God is doing something great. And in the face of all these difficulties, God is right by my side doesn't necessarily make it easier. doesn't necessarily take away the pain. But it definitely makes it worth it. God is doing something great. And so we want to level up. We want to grow. We want to reach new heights of maturity in our spiritual walk. And we have to be ready for what's going to come. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be pretty. But God is going to be faithful. God is going to show us how to remain in him he will get us through. You just close your eyes. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful for your scripture. We're so thankful that you speak to us through these words. Father, we're so thankful that even in the most difficult times that we can experience, you're right next to us. 
And Father, your desire is to work in mighty and powerful ways inside of us. That you desire, Father God, to encourage and equip us and bring us to the other side. Father, I'm not sure what is on everyone's mind this morning. I'm not sure what the trial, the struggle, the roadblock, the difficulty is in everyone's life. But I am confident, Lord, that you say that you're going to help us through. That you say you're going to bring us to the other side. You say that you're going to use it to perfect us, to complete us, to make us lacking in nothing. And we believe that. We grab hold of that. Father, as we move forward, as we face difficult times, would you remind us to have joy knowing that you're going to do something great? Would you remind us, Father God, that it will take time. It's not overnight. Would you remind us, Father God, ultimately that you are right by our side. Thank you, Father. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.